Welcome to a new episode of the Creative Industry Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby. Today, we welcome editor Stephen Perkins, who joins us for our first of two episodes covering Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Stephen will talk us through his experience in the film and what it took to edit it. Please be warned that there are heavy spoilers in this episode. Now let's jump into the conversation with Stephen. Hi, Steve. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad we can have you on to talk about uh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, which is now streaming on Netflix. It's kind of weird to say that there's a second Chicken Run, um, considering the first one came out so many years ago, which I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that it came out. And then when people start throwing numbers out, saying it's 25 years or 20 plus years, you think... No, no, I'm, I swear it was only, you know, five years ago that it came out. I know, I have that conversation with many people. It's it's, it's funny, it's such an I- iconic film. And, and um, like I say, certainly from people of our generation, my generation, I'm in my 40s, you know, it was, a, it was definitely one of the ones that came out when we were in our prime of, of going to the movies and, and in, in enjoying these films. It feels really just perfect time to sort of get it reintroduced as well into the world because it's probably been enough time for people who were who were kids at the time or teenagers watching it to now watch it, watching the sequel with their kids. And I guess that also kind of plays into the story as well, how the first one is a big play on sort of the great escape. And then the second one is a very uh, more focused on that mother daughter aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. I think a good place to start would be how did the project come about for you and why did you want to take it on? I, it's, a, it's a big question. I don't know where to start with that one. Uh, an, animation is um, very much in my blood. My my father was a 2D animator. I grew up helping out, shooting line tests for him, running parcels of animation up to London. You know, it's, uh, it's something that's very, very close to my heart. That's why I, I love returning to these animated films. And I I, I got the call to come, come work on Chicken Run with with Ardman. and it's uh you know they're such a such an iconic British animation studio. It's, it's kind of a, a, a something you, you dream of doing. You just can't can't really say no. So yeah, it's a uh, a real honour to be asked and uh, jump to the opportunity. I guess as well, like because they don't make as many films that often. It always feels quite special when Ardman come out with a new one, especially when they have iconic characters like Wallace and Gromit. And then now with um, Ch- Chicken Run as well with a sequel. Yeah, it's just too good to turn down, right? It's just so like, well, I can't say no because this is what a crazy and amazing opportunity. Yeah, iconic characters from an iconic studio. Yeah, exactly. Before we jump into the project as well, I'm just curious because you're talking about um, animation and it being in your blood. With your dad being so heavily involved and seeing the process firsthand, does that make you appreciate like the work that people do more, knowing like how much hard work it is to create an animation film compared to a live action film? I mean, absolutely. It's 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 the craft that that. It makes the magic, you know, the the the, um, the specifically with 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 Armin, it's the the hand 
handcrafted, hand manipulated characters. You know, you even see thumbprints on 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 some of the plasticine that we leave in the film. You know, it, it, it's very, very much a, a human crafted labor of love. Is that as well the fact that there's still uh, font prints in the plasticine? Is that how much care that needs to go into it compared to uh, a live action where you have an actor who should be standing on his mark or their or her mark or their mark, and then you have with sort of Chicken Run, for example, just how they painstakingly have to move everything um, for the scene to flow, stop motion animation as well, which has always been something that blows my mind quite a lot. That there's like that it's still happening now considering how much tech there is around that people can use but that sort of craft is still there that people are using it um even in this sort of time right i think you feel it i think you you you, you like you say you can you can see it on the uh, on the characters but you sense it and everything in the world that we create you know um, and then it's it's very much a, a human uh, created world in what is becoming increasingly a, a tech-driven world these days so it's it's a it's a nice um kickback or callback to you know giving it a, a, an added reality almost you know an added uh tactileness to the stories yeah and i think there's sort of look that as an audience member you kind of know that you're watching something a little bit more special something a little bit more you know that it's like a lot more time and effort has been spent into certain scenes and setups and even the way that the characters move and how they talk and even when you build like the sound design around it and the even the way the um, actors are saying the lines as well um, is another big thing where you think like, I wonder how some of this is made, which we'll find out shortly, but it's just like, wow, this is really cool. And like Wallace and Gromit played a massive part in my life as well. I think at one point when they had the free shorts uh, on TV, I remember recording them all in the row and then breaking off the little tab that no one can ever record over the VHS tape. <laughs> so it's always like stuff like that is, um, it's like, that's how like special I always thought of Ardman and the animation studio, just how important their work has been in my life and what I, what I like to watch as well. But Going back to Chicken Run and the editing process, how do you go about editing a stop motion film? With stop motion, there's only so much you can film each day because of the movement of the characters, the resetting of the scenes, and there's a lot of moving pieces as well, and also puppets are involved in the animation. And I guess there's probably a small amount of footage to work on each day. Um, is it a case that you join later on in the shoot or are you there from day one slowly working away on what's been filmed? With uh, with animation, I mean, it's it's a massively time-consuming process. I mean, I've been on, uh, I started on Chicken Run back in 2019. We, we spent a year and a half getting uh, a first draft of the film together, if you like, before we even start filming anything. You know, we need to know, we need to have a, a really great blueprint down of, of what the film's going to be and how the story's going to work and how our, our film's going to play out before we even start animating. So, I mean, as an example, I think uh, an animator will will probably animate anything around six seconds a week. So it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a slow burn even once we start shooting. So we we need to know 
we need to have a really good blueprint of, of what the film's going to be before before we start that process so that we we don't get any wastage we're not we're not with you know we can't can't afford at that time to be uh, shooting six seconds of, sort of animation and then scrapping it and asking them to do something else. So uh, the the edit starts very early on. We will 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 get the uh, try and get a, a, a version of the script up, you know, as, as quick as we can, sequence by sequence. You know, some directors will want to, uh, you know, they have confidence in the script. They'll really micro analyze each sequence, make sure that's working before they move on to the next. Or we'll try and do pretty broad strokes just to get the whole film up and and, and see how it's working. There'll be um, we don't tend to record with the voice actors that we'll use for the final final film because again we, you know we'll do a lot of explore, exploration um early on before we get even getting to that point so we'll, we'll be um we could we could you could do multiple versions of a, a sequence before you get that right so we'll be using members of our crew to do what we call a scratch record we'll be doing uh, you know the sound design everything in in house temp music everything we can to to um get past the film together uh before even starting any animation well i think it's quite amazing to hear that six seconds of footage is recorded you know it's just mind-blowing we generally shoot 24 24 frames a second uh Arben, the animators will shoot on twos so we're, we're we're talking 12 poses for each character for every second of animation wow that is a lot and because you think like as a normal film it's a 24 frame so if somebody's walking it's so easy for it just to be catch it and whatnot but if you're doing a pose for every two frames which probably now probably made it a lot easier with digital rather than if you're shooting on film because uh well uh, it must be miles upon miles of of uh, film reels that's used and film stock for that sort of stuff as well it's and... it's mind blowing to think the uh, the original chicken run was was shot on film i believe i think i'm pretty sure it was and uh, even just like now we we can we can the animator can finish a finish a pass on a on a shot hit complete on there on there with we you saw for called dragon to shoot to shoot the shots and that'll be up in editorial within like half an hour and we can be reviewing it with the directors and, and making sure it's going to work whereas before you know you're probably sending film off to a film lab and then getting that back the next day so you <laughs> an already very slow process must have must have taken an, an age yeah and to think that like you're just going through those footage and just being like imagine those after a few days being like it's not 100 percent there but we can just change around here whilst if they're there when the first or ever after a few hours of going from stage to screen um, in the edit booth as well. Probably helps quite a lot just to go through it all. But also when you go back to the beginning where you guys are building it up in with the storyboards, the scratch, was it scratch deck? We call it um, scratch dialogue. So scratch dialogue. We, thank we, you. Sorry, we'll be using. Uh, yeah, like I said, we're probably recording lines ourselves. You know, members of the crew trying to find some good good actors. If if we're lucky, I mean, if 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 uh, time and budget allows it, it, it's really useful to reach out to to act, local acting talent or actors around to to do a pass. But like I said, 
we're starting to piece the uh, film together before we may even know who our, our final cast is going to be. So we need to get we need to get this get get something up and and know it's working before before many big decisions can be made. If you like. Yeah, and I guess as well as you said, it's so time consuming that you you need to basically do make the film before you actually make the final film, the final cut of it, um, which is also probably like such a big undertaking because whilst on a live action film, you could kind of find where your story is going by being on set and being sort of very more, uh, what is it? You can improvise a bit more in terms of actually we can change the camera over there rather than here. I mean, or even you rehearsing with your actors before you even start shooting anything. I mean, we don't have those luxuries. We've got to uh, find all that ourselves, if you like, before before you even start getting a directing crew in. That's probably another big thing as well, because it's what do you think is more pressurised for you as an editor? Do you think it's the creating the first sort of draft of what the film will be, or is it actually working on what they're creating? Um, what would be the final film? That's uh, an interesting question. The, the 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 most pressure is probably initially starting because you, you literally almost have like a blank canvas. So anything is possible. So you you start um, start piecing it together with with uh, with sometimes even just a radio play. You know, you, you may not even have any images to work with. You'll you'll be putting your uh, putting a cut together. With with just a voice and sound effects and music, you know, and, and trying to really sell the story with the simplest of tools, and then, like I said, we'll we'll, we'll have the story team. They may initially beat board out the whole film, so you'll you'll have a like a, you know a single panel per setup. Initially, that doesn't or usually get turned over to edit. It's a bit too uh, rudimentary to start really working with, but you know, you, you first you first. Your first uh, passes on many scenes are very, very sketchy. They're they're very much roughed out. First pass can feel a little rough and ready. Uh, certainly, certainly to look at. You know, we're trying to trying to screen something to um, to sell the sell the idea of what the film's going to be. With uh, you know, sometimes I mean, obviously it's not. We have very talented people working on films, but you, you have like a essentially a, a, a sketches of a. Stick men almost in some instances, just roughing things out, really placing it in, and, and then you know, best efforts of doing the voices that we can from up from our crew and 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 the sound pass, and, and you really start from quite humble beginnings, and then really build and build and build upon this layer upon layer and a layer, getting more detailed, more analyzed, assessing you know camera setups, character placement, number of characters and scene minutia acting details through to big picture story briefs you know you're trying to do this all with before you've even actually started shooting any of the film if you like even those sort of story scenes story beats of like how many people can be will be in the scene or how in i don't know it's in like a writer's mind or director's mind and they have this idea of like well we'll have a big swooping shot for example then you would do it and actually no it doesn't work so they can just completely scrap that and then really tighten up certain ideas and where the camera is going to be placed when it's being animated as well 
Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a blessing and a curse in, in many ways. You know, like almost anything is possible. It's sort of saying it's kind of difficult in these earlier stages because, you know, anything can be possible. So you couldn't, you can almost try anything. So, so you have to be really disciplined and really focused and, and really try and dial it in as quickly as you can i mean obviously we're we're super super lucky to have a really talented uh story crew on this we have um rich Phelan heading the story team he's a fantastic artist fantastic uh, story artist and we got some great material to work with off the bat yeah and i guess as well like if there's things that work and don't work um storyboard story beat wise as well that's probably like a big thing as well if you can as you said the possibilities are endless, but then also you can have to, you will need to scale back because sometimes it just, it won't be possible um, to do it. But you were talking about um, scratch dialogue and then temp music and temp tracks. But once you're sort of shooting the film itself and you're getting the footage in and you're building uh, scenes around before uh, actors have recorded their lines, how do you go about editing those scenes because I can imagine that there's always going to be a certain cut of how one of your crew members might sound but then it once you get the actors in who will be adding their own sort of their own um take on the character does that affect how you guys cut scenes or is it a case that you always know how it's going to sound but it's uh, you always know how it's going to play out but it might just be minute details that you might need to change uh, yeah, the, the edit is always evolving. So um, obviously, when we're cutting the first pass with the with the scratch, the scratch dialogue. I mean, sometimes you're you're super lucky. You have some great performers in 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 the studio, but sometimes, obviously, you're working with uh, amateur performers. Um, you you cut to rhythms in dialogue, I suppose. You do, yes, of course. Um, but also the 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 the, the borders. Hopefully, by this stage, stage, they've got a lot of acting and performance into into the the posing and the characters in the drawings that they're giving us, and and with the use of um, sound design and 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 everything else, you can start really building a sense of of uh, of the timing of a scene. You can, you can get pretty pretty well detailed. Obviously, when we record the actors, they they're going to bring something else to it you know they're gonna you know, the, the, the scenes really do come to life and you, you, you can start really getting into detail so yes the cut is, is always evolving always changing i mean even even to the stage when when we're turning over to to our animators the animators will bring something to it you know they'll they'll bring their their take on on how this acting could be delivered to this line so we may have you know we may have left a certain amount of time to to perform in the gaps in between the dialogue and then that that will grow with the animators and 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 you know the voice performance will, will change how a, a scene feels um so yeah the cut is it's constantly evolving mm, and i can imagine that how different it must be with actors coming in and saying lines and then because you know certain actors um, are in the film and then we're so used to probably hearing their voice in other films that when it comes to editing, do you ever sometimes think about, oh, they might be saying it this way before you get their lines in? 
Uh, no, I don't think I, I've, I've never um, experienced anything like that. I think I think we've we've spent so much time with the material. We have a, an idea of how it's going to be conveyed, and we'll we'll be looking for that take from the actor and the director, and we'll be you know guiding that, that a certain performance out of out of the actor. But I think we 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 know what we're looking for. You know, even if we haven't quite got it with our with our scratch dialogue. Hopefully, we'll be a million miles away from where we're going to end up with the with the final recorded voices. Yeah, and I guess it always build and build whilst shooting, and things will slightly change and working around to what what you might have thought would be happening to what actually has happened as well. Because sometimes certain things will never go to plan uh, whilst shooting, but also with the film, it has like a really good balance of comedy, heartfelt moments, and then. There's a fun break-in slash heist moments. When it comes to editing these scenes, how do you go about letting them flow one after the other so that it doesn't take the audience out of the moment that it's sort of jumping between uh, tones and themes? Um, before we before we answer that question, can I just something you just said just now entering uh, uh, this it made me think about what we we're talking about before as well. No problem. Um, with the animatic stage you really are trying to carve out a really detailed blueprint of the movie. You're going to inform uh, not just the voice actors when they come to record their voices. Um, it's also, you know, can help inform the animators when they come to animate their scenes. But also, you know, we have a whole team of creatives making puppets, making sets, scheduling the film, everything. You know, all all they need to know as as much information as possible ahead of of um ahead of even you know booking the size of the location you need to build all these units in these sets you know we we need to know those the kind of restrictions and and um restrictions the wrong words the expanse and limitations of what we can and can't do with a puppet that's so big and therefore dictates that you if we're going to take these characters say to the big city you know we can't we literally can't build a a, a city set at the scale a, a huge scale so you, you need to kind of be mindful of that you need to be mindful of the fact that you're, you're working with a, the limitations of a a miniature world we're creating and also with with um with puppets you know we 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 some, sometimes some of the hardest stuff to do in an animation is is the uh, the slow, the 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 intimate moments, the the close ups, um, the reactions to com- conversations, the reactions, you know, deep powerful moments, reading minutia detail in in eyes of a character. And it, these these characters, you know, their heads are the size of a golf ball, and and we got we got to try and work out how to. Uh, maintain convey that emotion um whilst only being able to move like a minute amount of... I, I know what you mean because there's so much if i look you know if i look at you and you look at me we can express and can express ourselves in our faces i think you can tell that in acting when you're looking at people's eyes or people's shock or sometimes it's the if you're watching like a spy show you know a, a slow burn spy show where 
you have the reaction shots of people where they hear news that they already know of. So they kind of, you see that they kind of are slightly reacting, but they're trying not to show that they're reacting with like their poker faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess with something like this, it's it's so much more, it's infinitely harder because it's a, as he said, you've got something that's the size of a golf ball, which really isn't that big if you have a golf ball in your hands, if you ever, if anyone in the audience has ever had one in their hand. So then to then have that and then mold expressions onto it, that's just like a whole nother level of craft that people are able to do. So that when it comes to the edit as well, where you're saying you get six seconds of footage is like then building up from there to convey emotion of the scene or convey what even what the the line of dialogue they're trying to say. I think the big thing is as well as when you see the, I'll I'll need to have a look because I think I might get this wrong, but it's like a monobrow that they sort of have, um, the chickens. I don't know if it's necessarily a monobrow, but it's like the where. It is like a capped brow almost. Yeah, it's almost like a single, single piece. Yeah, it's like the, it's really hard to sort of say because it's not, necessarily uh eyebrows but it's just like a yeah, as he said like a little cap area where they'll be like moving up and down i'm moving my hand for the audiences i'm moving my hand <laughs> up on my head um, because i've realized this is just audio only but it has that sort of uh conveying that and then also that there's so much of that that needs to be captured at the same time and i think it goes back to your point as well just how important it is doing that first sort of pass and building up before you actually start shooting because the, it, you have to hit those emotional beats, those hit um, moments and making sure that you're prepared for when you step onto uh, the, the miniature set, shall we say. So that's also a really big thing. And I think, like, I guess the biggest takeaway is just how much prep needs to go into it rather than the actual shoot where, all the hard work is there done before you even step on set and really nail what you guys want to go for. But I think as well, sort of going back to going back to uh, part of the film, because there is a balance of comedy and heartfelt moments. And it was also, there's a fun break in slash heights moments as an editor. Like how do you go about editing these scenes so that they flow one after the other and not take the audience out of the film? It's a it's an interesting question because add on top of that we we has we have a cast of characters that people know and love from the from the first the first film from the original Chicken Run and we have two new characters bring into this film who are really kind of like the, the key characters in this movie and we have to wrap this all up if you like in a in a in an action breaking heist movie. So it was a it was a real challenge, you know, trying to trying to find out how how much time to spend with the characters in their idyllic island paradise at the beginning of the movie. You know, we have got to set up this 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 paradise that they live in, and, and, and the stakes that they've they've set up for themselves. You know, Ginger has has spent I don't know, we say Molly's now. I think she's six or seven years old. You know, she's spent the last seven years of, of bringing Molly up on this, on this, in this island par- paradise. Kind of 
locked away from the world, protected from everything. And it's, it's uh, we've 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 we're 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 we've got to invest in that world. We've got to we've got to we've got to re re reintroduce. That's not the right word. We've got to um, remind everyone of of the characters that you love, of the rest of the gang, um, or uh, as I could say, reintroduce. Maybe even introduce them to some people for the first time. You know, hopefully, new people will be watching this movie. And and set the whole story up, and then have the payoff of getting Molly off the island and on the adventure, so that the story can start. So there was there was a a real balance to be found on on, on you know the movie kind of really starts with her with her escaping this idyllic home that uh, that she's grown up in in a, in a search for freedom and uh, adventure you know she 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 wants to go out and explore and find the world for herself not be, be you know restricted by her mother so that's where our story starts but we can't we can't really start it there we we're shortchanging all these wonderful cast of characters that you know people know and love so we had to spend, you know, it's a balance to be found there and, you know, how, how long to, to get there and how how quickly to get them off and on the journey and on to the, the next adventure, if you like. And then along with that, you're, you're like great comic characters. We've got Babs, we've got kind of Fowler almost comes to the fore in this film as a, as a, as a great comic character. We've got Fine Tam for all their moments and still propel the, the mission that they're about to undertake. I think you made a really good point as well as like reintroducing everybody into the world because as a, compared to the first film where it's quite polar opposite rather than being cooped up in a chicken coop in a prison basically to now being into that utopia and having it as like a different kind of prison just be like mm-hmm. more hidden away and then having that uh, maternal instincts of uh, Ginger not to let her kid leave the nest too soon and there are those real moments of just like when when you're watching the, the films you'll see the mother and daughter relationship and how I, I don't know just how it hits as well with having certain of those moments play out then also as you said reintroducing those comedic elements of the cast it's the stakes, isn't it? You have got to set up the stakes. You got to you got to have something that um, you know a reason for Ginger's um, desire to raise her, her her new family in isolation, and you know, and and all, it's, it's kind of like every family probably goes through the same dynamic: is the protecting your child whilst knowing that at some point they're gonna they're gonna be let loose on the world, and you're gonna you know, just have, you can't shelter them from everything. It's, it's almost like the uh, things that you're you're not allowed are always way more um, enticing and exciting than than the things that are kind of right in front of you. No matter you know how how hard as a, a family you, you try and work to make this perfect world for them, there's always there's always something else on the other side of the water that's far more um, tempting. Yeah, and as well, like needing to let your child sort of fly and get and let them explore the world as well even though it's probably one of those things where there's a lot that goes on i'm not i'm not a parent uh yet without um so 
I don't, it's slightly different, but I guess with when you have those older audiences who watch the first chicken run, going from that sort of seeing Ginger as that sort of daring, no fear person to then turning into someone a little bit older, wiser, and more mature, shall we say, in terms of what they want to do and how they need to think about their family rather than themselves and the situation they're in. You're talking about that then made me think of it. It's, it's almost like um, it's probably a terrible analogy in this day and age, but, you know, it's, it's, it's people who used to, say, for instance, smoke. <laughs> probably try and think of a better analogy, but, you know, their kids see their parents doing that and I'm going to think of something else. <laughs> it's not going down this. It's going down this route. Whatever ideal world you create, you can almost guarantee you'll want to explore for yourself. You need to find the world for yourself, don't you? You need to go out and make your own mistakes and, and make your own uh, adventures. And that's exactly it. You know, the first film is all about is is Ginger being this this, this strong, powerful female character. And yet here she is in this new beginning, kind of stopping her own child from from having that, you know, to be able to, to, to have that for herself. For all the right reasons, obviously, you know, you, you want to protect, protect your family. Yeah, exactly. And there's certain things that uh, will play out. And I think you made the uh, really good point is, go out and make your own mistakes and figure it all out. Then also at the same time, it's like um, when you have, when they're kind of like, they think, when certain people think they know a lot better and don't listen, and then it's like, oh, I'm in deep, I'm in deep trouble. I need help now. <laughs> and that's sort of plays a part in the film as well. And I do like, I do like how it's changed from a prison break to a heist film to sort of uh, get someone out rather than break out. Um, and even the, you know the comedic element of oh how do we get in and then they do a breakdown of security of what is in the prison not in the prison sorry the the factory and how i guess like because you know what type of film it is the comedic elements of that saying what's how to break in really tickled me and played out it plays out really nicely as well it's something I was trying to um, talk about earlier about these, the, you know, the, the early stages of the of the edit and, and trying to sculpt the story from from your storyboards and from your your, your scratch records. But you know, a, a big part of that was we 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 went on um, many avenues, many many wonderful gags and wonderful story moments of, of you know how this how this these guys could break into this this compound of, of how they would. The things they could get up to inside this, inside the combat, inside inside the, the the factory, if you like. But it kind of going back to your earlier questions. In essence, we we kind of had to strip all that down and keep it super simple, in order to not distract from the kind of key themes of, of, of the film. I mean, hopefully we still. I mean, the breaking scene was was a lot of fun. I hope hopefully we still have those moments, but. Um, it's it, it was a real balance trying to find a way to stay with Molly and Frizzle in 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 what they're experiencing in this you know kind of fun land, which is this wonderful um, kind of utopia for chickens that's been created within within the within the farm. 
um, whilst also playing off the the peril of everyone else trying to get to them and uh, you know what could what could they be going through and and also once the you know that gang then gets split up so how long do you stay with each of these different elements of different uh, different how much time do you spend with with each moment it was it was a real balance it was a real challenge trying to find the right the right the right balance there i guess that's like as as an editor as well because knowing that you could spend maybe you know 30 seconds too long with one set of group without then then wanting to move along to the next set of group and as he said like it's such a fine balance but i think also you need to be make sure that you can be uh giving given each sort of each team um a moment to sort of shine and show the sort of danger they're in or what they're up to as well and Absolutely, but obviously not shine too brightly that they're going to distract from from key moments that we want you to stay focused on. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes people could mistake it as like a filler thing rather than, you know, take away from like the story and moving on. But, you know, it's always the supporting cast as well and the supporting characters that always make comedies and remind you of like the stakes as well that it's not just mother and daughter but it's also the team behind it as well who are um helping out and sprinkle in those sort of moments of uh, comedic relief as well absolutely but there's also this is a big spoiler alert but there's a spoiler alert anyway and um, before the episode starts but we see the return of mrs tweedy now at a young age, I'd say Miss Tweedy was quite a scary lady. And I think in the first film, she's captured so well that I think we, as kids, if you were playing outside or to the park or whatever, there was always like a Mrs. Tweedy type person around. I don't know if you've ever had, if you ever had that. There's always that neighbour who's, if your football went in their garden, you know, you, you definitely weren't going to go and risk knocking on that door to ask for it back, right? Yeah, we had a we had a person like that. They would all. I think at one point they sat outside with shears, waiting for the ball to come so they could pop it. <laughs> and it's quite traumatic, like as an eight year old, because it's like you're just having a bit of fun. You didn't realize that you're disturbing someone's peace. But oh well, it is what it is. We went through a lot of footballs. Let's just put it that way. Um, but. During the film, we see a lot of snippets of her and Ginger's PTSD of um, what happened and what she experienced in the first film. How do you go about sprinkling these clues um, to the audience, but then also send, you know create a sense of like, oh my gosh, she actually is back. She survived as she's walking down those steps. Donnie, you almost um, answered that in the question i think part part of it is that you know that was ginger's world she was a captive on a farm and 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 tweedy was her her captor she was the epitome of everything that was um that she is now trying to hide away from so i think in in some respects i mean we, we toyed with the idea of not even you know trying to to, to market the film without having any Tweedy in it or you know, having the trailer without revealing Tweedy. So, so it was going to be a, a surprise, if you like, her reveal in the movie. But I think 
you kind of didn't need to because because she is she is Ginger's fear. She is she is the face of everything that is terrible with the human world and everything that, that Ginger is hiding away from. So it, I think we we were okay to reference her to to even sneak a little peek of her. Even the um the silhouette reveal in the in the um in the flashback dream sequence, I mean, is pretty obviously tweedy. We we kind of toyed with disguising her voice a little bit, but you know again, it's it's a dream. It's a it's a flashback to Ginger's nightmares so i don't think we're giving away the fact that she is gonna come back later by sprinkling those bits in it's it's just it is it is what is everything that ginger is is fearful for i guess as well like as a reveal it does have that slightly comedic element because she'll be walking down the steps and she keeps walking and you'll have that moment of like this is it should be terrifying, but I think it's the idea of like because she's still so far away. I guess it also creates that sort of illusion of like, is that really Mrs. Tweedy coming down? Is it not? Are we is it being played out slightly differently? I mean, did did you did you know? Did you did you feel like you knew it was gonna be her? So I think it was slightly spoiled for me with the person in front of me when they were on their phone posting pictures from the exhibition and because it was so sort of like they were so close you could see like the pictures of uh, the puppets and Mrs Tweedy was one of them and I thought no they can't bring her back and it kept, it kept playing on my mind and on my mind and then it happened I was like okay and I kind of like you would understand uh, why that she's been brought back because it's uh you know, it's, an, it's the nemesis. It's like um, exactly she's, Luke Skywalker she's... and Darth Vader. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 we we really did play on that that kind of Bond villain um, reveal moment, and and I I can't remember. There may even have been a, a couple of more shots of <laughs> coming down. I I think we we tried to see you know exactly what that breaking point might be and how long we could play that moment out for. But um, it was a hopefully a good gag, a good moment. I think when people see it, they will, and and they will kind of laugh at that. And there's also that Bond reference because the factory itself, you have obviously the chicken world in itself is very uh, uh, set like, and then it, when you go and look around, uh, what's behind the scenes, it does have that very big Bond. Uh, feel and it's the same with um, uh, Dr. Fry reminds me of uh, Boris from Goldeneye a little bit right. Um, I don't know if that played an influence or not but he has that sort of I'm invincible sort of feel of it because of how smart he is and how he's um, uh, acting in the film as, as wonderful as the character Fry is I think we needed the Tweedy factor for sure. Yeah, you need the, you've got the puppet, but who's the real, who's the real puppet master here? Yeah. But then, just to hit with my penultimate question, and this, this is what I'm sort of also curious about, because you have experience of working in live action, and then 
you also have experience working animation. But when it comes to editing, what's the biggest difference that you find with it all? Uh, it's it's the ultimate blessing and curse. Maybe we, we talked about earlier. It's it's the fact that in animation you can pretty much create any story, any any new line of dialogue, any any new setup you need, any um, anything you need. Almost you, you kind of got a blank canvas. You you can say to a guy, you say to our story. Like you can say to your story, um, storyboard artists, the head of story, your directors will have the conversation. Let's let's try something else entirely here, and and it can be almost a, a blessing and a curse. So you can you can you can find yourself going down rabbit holes of, of of an idea, and and in live action, you you have you have as an editor, you have your your footage, you have your material to work with, um, and and. I mean, you can possibly negotiate having a reshoot, but it's 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 not it's you'd be very lucky, <laughs> and and or perhaps you're lucky enough to be on on location and on 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 set with with your director, so you might be viewing rushes and be able to ask for missing coverage or what have you. But nine times out of ten, you you're that ship sailed by the time you're in the edit and you're you're working with your footage. But in in that those restrictions bring with it a new set of muscles you have to use, or a new set of uh, muscles. Or kind of your, uh, you have to find different ways to solve problems or shortcomings that you might have with your material, and and, and that can have equally wonderful um, results on on how you tackle your edit. That's that's the primary difference. Yeah, and I guess with having something where you can have a complete blank canvas as well is probably exciting, daunting, and also uh, challenging. I think when I hear you say that, it my mind went straight to the Jurassic Park quote that like, um, um, that Jeff Goldblum says that like, you know, even though you, you should, even though you have it, you know, even though you can do it, you shouldn't do it basically. Right. Um, because it's like the, it's like you can have it, but it's like it's like the Pandora box that's being opened from it, from the idea of like creating what you can create to what you can't create, and then what problems will come about from that as well. Yeah, you can you can create wonderful things with the most basic set of tools, you know. And, and sometimes that can be a, restrictions can be a, make you think in different ways and and open different creative avenues for you that, that you know being able to just pluck things from thin air can be a real danger sometimes you know yeah and um having that blank canvas you kind of think well oh, okay we can really do anything there is sorry i know i said that was my penultimate question but another one has popped into my mind because of something you mentioned uh, before we started recording and uh, a vfx element how does the VFX element play into um, animation? Um, does it work in the same way as that you're trying to uh, rub out certain things like uh, strings on a puppet, or does it play a different part in it altogether? Whilst we're starting the shoot on the very first few shots, we're, we're turning those over to VFX almost immediately because every shot 
in uh, stop motion animated film is at the effect shop. We do have we have rigs to remove at the very least. Uh, we can like we try our best to hide them, but often it's not possible. So we'll have rigs on this film in particular. We, the, the the scope of the film was so epic that um, we couldn't achieve everything with a single scale puppet and set ratio. So we had, um, I think we had two different scale puppets, uh, a smaller scale um, chicken puppet that we'd use when we're using the um, human scale puppets to animate alongside those. So they're, they're kind of half the size of the uh, the um, puppets we're using in most of the other shots. We have different scaled miniature set extensions. We'd have um, matte painted backgrounds. We have completely CG generated environments. We have CG generated animated characters and crowd extras. So every shot, even some of the most simple shots sometimes can end up being a, a, a huge build in 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 VFX and to a degree in edit. So everything has to be built in edit to be signed off and approved by the director before you move on to your next shot. You know, so we're, we're, every every VFX is is a huge part of the of the job, and that's going on. You know, we're, we're turning over every shot to VFX as they're being completed, while still shooting the other 60% of the movie while still maybe working on 20% of the movie in story still in, in the animatic stages trying to get that finished. So we're, we're kind of juggling all those balls in edit at the same time. I still think that's crazy because crazy to think that you're still working on it like if you're a certain percentage of the way through but then also the way that it can be used um, especially on a film like this where it's very hard to think how VFX could be used just because in, I know I keep going on about live action, but with live action, you can see an explosion or certain backgrounds or something shot in space. And you say, like, oh, that's either done. And, it, and it, it brings its own challenges as well, because you don't want the VFX to look too realistic, too artificial. You want them to still maintain an element of almost looking like they've been handcrafted so to really work on how we run smoke cycles how we run water cycles how how far can you simplify them in order that they still they fit in with the rest of the handcrafted world and don't stand out as looking too realistic so it, it just won't work you know and even stuff like that where like water as you're saying as well or how that might flow um, on a screen or probably also because of like the chicken sanctuary where they're in a big sort of foresty areas, like how probably the leaves are blowing in the sort of direction that they're going in as well. It's like that sort of um, naturistic uh, side of it as well. I mean, wherever possible, we we try and shoot as much as we can. Even some of the effects elements are, are shot on a green screen uh, uh, with with props and real elements, and then composited with by VFX. But yeah, like like I say, if if anything is fully CG generated, then we're trying to to, to work out. You know, spending a lot of time look in look dev, making it feel as stop 
frame as possible. Yeah, because as you said as well, you you start making it too. If it's too VFX heavy, then it's it loses its charm a little bit. Of that, like it's gone from a stop motion to just a purely um, computer generated effect. Yeah, I mean, we even referenced like some of the water looks. We'd we'd try and make them feel as if they were they looked like water that was shot in a studio in a tank as opposed to a actual lake of water. You know, we try and keep it in this kind of artificial crafted reality that must be such a difficult balance as well in terms of like probably going through it painstakingly to see like frame by frame that 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 it looks right and that it doesn't look too overdone yeah absolutely and then just for my final question what was your favorite scene to edit it would definitely have to be we, we talked about it earlier i mean it kind of culminates with the, the Tweedy reveal but e- even before that we have the um the investor we have um uh he's he's arrived and introduced to the world that fry's created to this this welcoming room i don't know what you call it it's, it's, it's kind of a it's a control hub of of the um of the farm but this this you know he's kind of in awe it's like well actually this joke of a character that i thought was this this nutty professor type character is actually pretty serious. This place looks pretty amazing, and then from that we go into the um, the the presentation two uh, D animated presentation film that that, that Fry's put together, mm-hmm. and that's playing in the background whilst we have the combination of all our characters that have been trying to find Molly all coming into one place. So we have the comedy of the of the the presentation film playing alongside. The dawning of the reality of, of of Molly of what's actually happening in this place, along with trying to get all our moving parts into the same place. I mean, that was a real jigsaw piece of a scene to put together, but um, a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think because you're with Doctor Fry, when you first see him, it's kind of this bumbling idiot that's sort of hiding behind a computer screen who dresses up as a big chicken. And you as audience members, you know that something's wrong, but you think at the same time, it's just like, what an odd man. <laughs> this something, even though something's up, you still think, oh, like, he's kind of a bit of a joke. But then as you start seeing, as he said, the reveal of it all, that's when you sort of notice it's like, okay, this person has to be taken seriously. Absolutely. Uh, but but and you know he he takes real pride in his work you know I think he really is trying to create a utopia for these chickens whereby they they're gonna um, obviously uh, be turned into delicious chicken nuggets but they're gonna enjoy their time whilst they're there. It's quite funny though, it's just like the idea of like chicken nuggets and how you know they they want to take the fear out of the death of the chicken to make food tastier. It's, it's all just very clever and very well established and written. Yeah, it was a joy putting that scene together. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget is now streaming Streaming now on Netflix. Go check out Steve's work and enjoy the film and jump back into that world. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. No, no, it's the other way around. Thank you for taking the time to talk <laughs> to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. You take care and bye-bye. 
Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.